space. The final frontier. These are the continuing voyages of the starship Enterprise. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone. Welcome to episode 132 of the Nerd Culture Podcast. I'm your host, David, and with me are the crew, Richo. But you're not, David. Yes, I am. Keep going. All right. Um, hi. Yeah. Hi. Okay, what's going on? I've entered some sort of weird form of the Twilight Zone, it looks like, in which, you know, the genders you have know? been swapped. It's like that episode of Red Dwarf where they jump into the parallel universe it's and Lister makes love with himself. <laughs> um, Does that Look. mean that I'm meant to be crystal? Does that mean I'm crystal? I'm crystal. You are crystal. Uh, Hi. <laughs> Get closer to the microphone. Speak up. Speak up. Uh, hi. Yeah, you can have back now. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? That's weird and wrong. It is very weird and wrong. Yes, as Crystal just mentioned, episode 132. Yay. Wait, hang on. You're speaking again. Have I switched back? <laughs> What's going on here? I don't speak confused. I apologize. <laughs> Regular listeners will know. If you're new to the show, we apologise for that. If you play this episode backwards. <laughs> Regular listeners, you know the apology already. <laughs> so this episode we have news, reviews, follow-up of the Osc- the 2015 Oscars, who won and what we thought about that. I had my predictions already. Oh, sorry. As did I. I, I, I stuffed up, all right? <laughs> I openly admit it. And uh, coming soon. So let's get started kicking off with some news. Now, actually, I had some other news items here, but it's in the last couple of days, uh, something quite uh, dramatic has occurred. So it's, it's trumped all these other news items. As you would have noticed from the uh, the opening intro, the intro has changed slightly. Uh, I, I needed to have uh, the dolls of tones of Mr. Leonard Nimoy on the episode because uh, he unfortunately has passed away uh, in the last couple of days. Friday night it was. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was coming, and we all knew it was going to come, and we had uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and uh he's he's been ill for quite a while and uh despite his illness he was still you know still working hard and you know he was on on the twitter and communicating and and uh as crystal knows and she's she's one of his honorary grandchildren well the strange thing is that um whoever's looking after that account is retweeting nice ah. nice tweets about him but it they also retweeted by Leonard Nimoy which is a bit yeah, I think it's his wife doing it. Yeah, yeah it's so quite it's, nice. It is, it is a damn shame. Um, I, have, I haven't been this affected uh, since Robin Williams, really. I mean, actually, I did tear up, but I don't, I don't deny it. And, uh, I mean, he was he was a, a hero of mine and, and of many other people. I mean, he was an inspiration to uh, a lot of people. So, so yeah, so it's, it's you know, very it's very sad news that uh, Leonard Nemo has passed on. It is um, a damn shame, and, and uh, I actually... I'm, actually, I'm I'm struggling to keep it together. I'm not denying it, and I just thought it just would take a bit of time to sort of go through some of his some of his achievements and uh, talk about him a bit more. Any excuse to talk about Leonard Nimoy? Um, obviously, he's most he's uh, best known for his role as Spock 
in the Star Trek series. Uh, he also had a long-running run on uh, In Search Of, one of my favourite shows, <laughs> <laughs> which was cool. It's not really stood the test of time, but it's still fun to watch. <laughs> it has not stood the test of time at all, but I still love the show, I don't care. <laughs> that, that plant talking episode. Anyway, um, so yeah, so... But he's just been, he's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's just all. I mean, obviously, I mean, like I said, best known for Star Trek, but he, he's been in so many other things, including Twilight Zone, yep. classic stuff, yep. um, and, you know, plenty of other stuff. And, mm. most, and he, he seemed to, of his own work, he seemed to prefer his stage production stuff. Um, so acting on stage was his, was his big love. Quite um, an accomplished photographer in his later years. Yes, photography, photography as well. He also, and he also did uh, some, some albums, most notably the Lord of the Rings album. Is it the the Tale of Bilbo Baggins or something? Which actually got released as a single and yeah. a clip. Which is strange watching him in his Spock makeup. I blame. What is his Spock haircut? His Spock haircut. Yeah, because he was he, he filmed that he filmed that when he was actually doing Star when he was doing season two of Star Trek. Oh. So you get um, Spock talking about Middle Earth. Oh, so does, did he do that before Shatner started his singing? Because I was going to say, I blame Shatner <laughs> for, for encouraging you. No, that's, no, that's, that's really not that bad. No, the difference is that Leonard Nimoy actually can sing, whereas Shatner can't. <laughs> he does it in his own unique <laughs> fashion. <laughs> Lucy in the sky. No, no, no. You, that, that you're not sounding, you know, out of Lucy in the sky with diamonds. I could get my Chateau Tree app out and do it. <laughs> but some of the other stuff he was on, Perry Mason, Dragnet, Them. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, Mission he's, Impossible. He's actually very cool in Mission Impossible. He's cool in everything. Yeah, true. true. Uh, Highway Patrol, Colt 45, Wagon Train, which is ironic, the Star Trek, the Wagon Train of the Stars. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even, didn't even put that together until now. He's also Bonanza, in, I mean, it's just so much. He's been in, according to this, he's been in over 50 sport supporting roles. Wow. I'm not going to go through them all. He's also in the... You know, Man for, from Uncle? For sci-fi fans, he's also in the awesome uh, 70s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, that's so true, yeah. yeah. Cool role. Yeah. Great, great, great little... I love um, that film. Great little supporting role in that one. Um, and for Outer Limits fans, you know, he started yeah, he was in the Limits. classic episode I, Robot, in the original series as a yeah. supporting character... But then they remade the story in the more recent version of The Outer Limits, and he actually played the main lawyer in that. Cool. And a a director as well. You know, directed a couple of such films, directed Three Men and a Baby. He wasn't a paediatrician for a while. I don't know. That was Benjamin Spock. I was making a joke. (laughs) (laughs) A Dr. Spock joke, really? A Dr. Spock joke. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's right, I'll let it go. Only <laughs> yeah. because you're pretty. Uh, but also, as, uh, as Luke will know, Galvatron. Yes. And, you know, for one word, I think, as well, Unicron. Just like one word. <laughs> one word, really? But yeah, so uh, that's awesome. If you're going to get anyone to say one word, you get any more. You get Well, it's really to cover the fact that Orson Welles was dead at that point. Yeah. He's such an amazing part of pop culture that he's, I mean, he's even had... In pretty major roles in The Simpsons and you know Futurama and and uh, other things sort of playing on from that sort of that Spock stuff. I love his, his Simpson. Simpsons. The cosmic ballet continues. Great. <laughs> it's it's amazing to think that um, you know that Spock more than more than any other character on Star Trek, Spock has become the iconic. Yep. figure to emerge from that show yeah. e- even more than Kirk which I think <laughs> says something and, uh, it, and that, that's Leonard Nimoy just 
that that's what he did. He made that character his own, and he made it iconic, and he made us get excited every time he showed up in anything, just because he was Spock. And for an actor to be able to do that, to to take a character and make it that way, I think is just incredible. I'm pleased that he embraced Spock. Went yeah. on to in, in the big. There was a while there where he was sort of going, "I'm not Spock." Then he said, "I am Spock." So yeah, that, yeah. So the book, "I Am Not Spock," and you know, I mean, every actor sort of goes through that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And when you sort yeah. of you're, you're you're portraying the same sort of set with a role for a while, and yeah. you don't, don't want to get typecast. Yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. then, then, he, then he fully embraced it. But is that the just quick? The "I Am Not Spock" thing is actually kind of interesting because that came out around about the time just after Star Trek Two, and when he was actually in talks to direct. Star Trek 3 and that actually caused a little bit of friction because the assumption was on the part of the studio execs that he actually was trying to distance himself from the character. Well Spock was but supposed he, to actually stay dead. Spock was supposed to stay dead but he but the idea being that he was, you know, trying to distance himself from Star Trek in particular and he wasn't trying to do that. Yeah. He was actually trying to, you know, as I said that happened when he was in talks for Star Trek um the search for Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm afraid I'm not Spockin'. It's not. It's not like a angry mm-hmm. rant. It's just he's basically just saying to move on and do other things. I'm Leonard Nimoy, and I, you know, I've, I've got so much more to offer. Yeah, I actually don't think the that rumor about Spock staying dead is actually true. I think oh, that's just is. come out. I've heard it. No, from definitely like, is. Yeah. He said it so himself. So. And they had to go yeah, back and I've, film. Yeah, I've heard the opposite though. I've heard that that's misinterpretations of things that he did say in interviews, and that the producers and things have actually said. No, that wasn't the case. Now, I could be wrong there, but I'm No, I believe they sure. had to go back and insert that remember bit later. Mm. In pick-up shots. Yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's a bit like it's a, it's a, it's a part of pop culture that he's, even in retirement, he still uh, managed to do some work, so, like the new Star Trek films, but also uh, Big Bang Theory is in a major, major Tiny role. Spock. Tiny Spock. And, uh, and Fringe, which he had uh, a pretty major role. It's, it's Yeah, so but these other accomplishments, are like, like Crystal said, photography... Directing, writing, there you go. Uh, music. On his first album, Mr. Spock's Music from Outer Space. <laughs> <laughs> Brief. <laughs> I'm going to track that down. But uh, one of the one of the things that I realised about him is that his his portrayal of in his portrayal of Spock is he was so synonymous with you know sort of the calm, reassuring, and uh, and. Logic. logical and the scientific mind that when he visited he went and visited NASA and all the all the scientists that were there were all talking about how they were all inspired to become scientists because of Spock mm. and they were like they were taking him on a tour and uh, they were like pointing out stuff and he's like this is the project that I'm working on and that sort of stuff and they all kind of like looked at him sort of expecting him to to know, they just expected him to know what they were talking about, and he had no idea. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're definitely working. You're definitely uh, on the right track with that project there." And, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, there's all this And he loved it. He wasn't angry about it. He just said, "This is what it's one of my favorite, one of my favorites." One of those, just all these people. Just it was, and it was adulation, but it wasn't. You know, it was it was hero worship, but not, but in a good way. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and it just is. One of his favorite favorite memories, and then one of mine actually one of his favorite stories. Be awesome. like expecting Christopher Reeve to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, you mean Christopher Reeve didn't? There was, <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you. After Christopher Reeve had his accident, 
there were periods where I thought, yeah, he'll walk again because he's Superman. Like, <laughs> it was just, it was so ingrained in my mind that that's who he was. Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll, he, he, will, he will, one day he will walk again put- because who he, cause he is Superman. Yeah. That was, and I, I realised at the time it was a stupid thought. But they but put so much effort into the research and things because of him. I ex- yeah. fully expected he may actually recover one day. But yeah, so yeah. It was a shame. Yeah. And it brings home the frailty of human life. Like Christopher Reeve was never going to fly, which we all wanted him to. And, and yeah. we, we're not going to be able to steal the Enterprise and take Spock <laughs> Vulcan and bring him back to life. Yeah, pick up his body from the Genesis yeah. planet. And, yeah. I don't know. Sheldon does have the DNA. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. The, well, I mean, one of the one of the reasons that this has upset me so much is is not just because you know of, of Spock, but but Elena Nimoy is, as a person is one of those. I mean, people die every day, and we mm. don't have these these introspectives about you know just Joe down the street who who's passed on, which is horrible. Um, but I mean, we we grew up with with this man, and one of the, one of the things that I loved about him, and much much like Robin, is that even outside of his roles, he seemed to be a genuinely nice person. Mm. I mean, is I mean, it's of course you've got the Hollywood PR spin machine and stuff like that, and you can sort of take take what you can, but. I just I think he transcended all that, and I just I think he was. I mean, I, I never, having never met him, I just think he was genuinely just just a, a, a wonderful person, and needed to be celebrated in that way. I mean, he's he's contributed so much to all of us and to the world. He, he tended to embrace his fans as well, and it's uh, only five days ago. Um, his last tweet was, "A life is like a garden; perfect moments can be had, but not preserved except in memory. Live long and prosper." And it's. When I read that, I thought, and then he didn't tweet for a while. I thought, oh, he knows something's going on. Yeah. And then, and obviously, he's left instructions for whoever's looking after the account to keep retweeting and you know reaching out to the people who follow him. Mm. Um, all of us grandchildren. So I think that's lovely. Yeah. It, no, it definitely is. It, it just it, just to very briefly describe that grandchildren thing. So um, when he when he got ill, ill he was saying that uh, anybody who wants to. It wants me to be their honorary grandfather. Just let me know on Twitter, and and, and we'll do it and stuff. And, and, uh, so you know, I mean, that's, cool. I don't know, just stuff like that. It's just, yeah, he will be missed. As I said in, in my tweet, uh, he'll live long and prosper in our hearts. I have to quickly move on because I'm getting upset. Just for now, I just want to just take a, a small moment to play the track "Spock" by J- Mr. James Horner from the Wrath of Khan soundtrack. So for the other news, uh, a little, a little bit more, more light-hearted news, um, Harrison Ford is returning for Blade Runner Two. 
It had to happen. He came back to do Indiana Jones yep. for uh, several years ago. He's about to. Pl- he's playing the one character that he swore he'd never come back to. Yeah. Um, and Han Solo. Then Decker was just Deckard. So it was just a matter of time. Well, what, what he might wanted over for him was that uh, it's going to be directed by Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve, mm-hmm. who directed uh, Prisoners, um, so he's uh, he's a fan of his apparently. So that was one of his things, and also um, Hampton is co-writing it again. Um, so he was like, oh well, I'll be, the, get, getting the gang back together. Not Van Peebles. No, no, just no. Hampton's co-writing it, but who? Have you guess who he's co-writing it with? The guy, the guy. I can't remember his name, but the guy that did Green Lantern. Like, oh, how does it? How does look? I can understand. <laughs> Like you don't want to like obs- you know, get rid of them completely, I suppose. But when you do something as terrible as that, how do you continue to get work? How? It, I mean, he could have written a great script for Green Lantern, and once it goes through producers, directors, studios, and everything, it comes out nothing like what he wrote. So, the, uh, for all I know, the Green Lantern script could could have been a masterclass yeah. on screenwriting. And that's the only excuse I will do. Also, accept. every time you write something, you improve. So, yeah. Well, right, well, except, unless you're a Kiva Goldsman, in which case <laughs> you just you just never get good. Well, never get know, good, but you want Academy Awards. Hampton, Hampton's still on it, so I'm cool with that. Um, so yeah, so Blade Runner two, it's coming. Uh, yeah, and it's set, and apparently it's setting real time. So to explain why Harrison, they're not going to do that fake de aging business that they did for the X Men and stuff. <laughs> do a Jeff Bridges um, younger CGI. So, so much for being a replicant. Mm. Yeah. So they pretty much confirm uh, that he is not a replicant. Uh, no, no, not necessarily. Unless what he ages. Maybe he's found special. Or maybe he's found a way to break the programming so that he can extend the life expectancy. Who knows? Well, maybe they'll Until say, we read the script or yeah, see the movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll say replicants are biological clones. Well, they may be wrong. Uh, the other piece of news item we've got is uh, James Vanderbeek has produced a pretty, pretty cool 15 minute fan video. Uh, for Power Rangers, it's called Power Slash Rangers, and uh, it, it sounds terrible, but it is actually pretty awesome. I managed to see it before they took it off of uh, the Power Rangers. Whoever's behind the Power Rangers have, have stamped down on it. It's been taken off YouTube, but it was uh, pretty full on. It was quite violent and mm. uh, raunchy. I guess is the real word. It was the adult. It's, it's not your kids' Power Rangers, and uh, but it was, it was a bit. Of, it was a bit of fun. I actually quite liked it a lot. And for James Vanderbeek, he's Kicks a bit of butt. Dawson. Yeah. Yes, I know who's Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> Just for yeah, the, Dawson the, Rangers. The Green Power Ranger went online and did off on him a bit about it. Did he? Yeah. The original Green Power Ranger, I think it was. Or the original American can't, Green No, Power I can't Ranger. be the original Green Lantern. Isn't he the one who's in jail? Didn't he stab his housemate or something? I'm not really up on my uh, Power Rangers. <laughs> there is about five different activities. people per colour. You know that, right? <laughs> I don't know. Is, oh. it, is, green, is, the, is he related to the Green Wiggle? <laughs> oh god moving on <laughs> you're on fire this morning um, and the only other, only other news item I've got is um, a bit of self promotion uh, voting for round 4 of Contest of Champions is open and available round 4 is the 6 million dollar man versus the bionic woman Steve Austin mm. versus Jamie Summers correct what do you guys reckon quick not a fan really of, of either to actually want to get <laughs> But as a as a, a part of the NCP crew, you should care. <laughs> it's in your I'm contract. That's <laughs> in your contract. <laughs> Written in blood. Did, uh, did Garon win? Uh, no, Tilkman. Ah, oh, that's hopeless. Okay, Garon has rigged. crazy eyes. Rigged. How was it rigged? 
Because Catwoman has crazy eyes. Yeah, but Tilk's got brains. We went, we went through it. I mean, it got, it, it got pretty. Pretty violent. Gowron turned into a shapeshifter at one point. Yeah, but then we decided that was. <laughs> then we, we reckoned it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure exactly. Yeah, yeah, Tickly Noel man versus. Bionic Woman. Bionic Woman? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know yet. I'm still. Oh, you'll, you'll, be, I'm on, still you'll be on the show and you don't care. Yeah, Bionic Woman. Get out. <laughs> Bye. You're fired. <laughs> and I'll uh, have my opinion on the so show. So who plays the Bionic Woman? Lindsay, Lindsay Wagner. Wagner. Lindsay I always Wagner. get Lindsay Wagner, Farrah Fawcett, and Cheryl Ladd mixed up. Really? Yeah, you know... You I could combine all three of them. Yeah, I can sort of see The that. ultimate woman. <laughs> the ultimate angel. That's fair of She was all right. So, yeah, so that's uh, round four. So, yeah, and as we just, just said, uh, Tilk did win round three. And uh, he's moved on to the next one. So, yeah, so get your votes in. Facebook. Twitter. Poor guy, one. It was a good day to die. It was It was a cool fight, I thought. <laughs> it went pretty violent. But Tilk won it in the end. And the votes were more for Tilk as well. Yeah. <laughs> Tilk. Tillich. I could go with Tillich for some strange Tillich. Anyway, let's move on to the reviews. We're only, only going to have two reviews this episode, um, and that's how we're going to do it from now on. So there's going to be two two reviews and a, uh, a special of some kind, whatever I decide to do on the day. But uh, So for this episode, our reviews are going to be myself and Luke, but we're going to start with Luke, who's cool. going to be reviewing Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Okay, um, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan came out in 82, and... Uh, Features the return once again the return of Kirk um, and crew as they face off against um, one of the classic villains of the series, uh, uh, Khan, played by Khan Noonien Singh, played by Ricardo Montalban. You got to say it better than that. I am Khan Noonien Singh. That's a bit better. <laughs> in, a, in an attempt to create a sequel to um, Space Seed, hijinks and shenanigans ensue as um, a cat and mouse game ensues between Khan and Kirk. Um, it's directed by, written and directed by Nicholas Meyer, and is effectively really the entry point for new for new fans of Star Trek. You can watch the end of the classic series, completely skip the original motion the the motion picture, and just go into Star Trek Two fresh because it actually does all the things that Star that the, the motion picture does anyway. Reintroduces characters, gives you a way, and it sort of explains what the world is like, um, including the obligatory spaceship. Shot. Including the for a spaceship shot, <laughs> but it doesn't um, go for like ten minutes, like in, in the first film. Spaceship porn. It see it it seems longer, but it, it is only about eight minutes. But it just it seems like seriously like fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but you don't sit there going, oh my god, the entire film has stopped so I can get this you know this tracking it's shot imp- of this really cool ship. It's but an I impressive like it. model, but we don't need to see the whole thing. And you see it, it, that that sequence yeah. does go on for too long. Uh, this is but um, this is. Gets back to the more adventuresome side of um, the of the original series. So you know the, like I said, the back the back to doing and throwing between Khan and um, Kirk is a particular highlight. And uh, seeing the seeing the um, the old crew uh, together again is always a highlight. But really, the reason why I cho- chose this for two reasons: one, this was my entry into the Star Trek um, universe, like for, probably for most um, people. Um, That's the first one I saw at the cinema. It you know the the uh, having seen it then went back and saw the um the classic series, but really in the light of in the in the light of the death of Leonard Nimoy, I just wanted to talk about you know probably one of what was Spock's finest moments, which is the end of the film. So spoiler alert, if you've not actually seen this before, um, but I kind of wanted to talk about this because it is you know as I say no, Spock's finest moment, which is um, uh, Spock's death as a result of saving um, the Enterprise and its crew. Um, from um, the Genesis wave. From the Genesis from the Genesis wave. 
up until this point, Spock has always um, ridden that fine line between uh, cold, rational, um, and emotion and emotional. Um, and when he when he had, when he um, did go into the emotional side, it was only for a few brief seconds before the cold, the the logical, rational mask uh, would take hold again. And one of the nice things about his death is that it, in his final moments, he openly acknowledges um, his love and his friendship um, of the crew and of Kirk in particular. And you get probably one of the finest death one of the finest death speeches this side of Roy Batty. Which um, you know is is high up there for me, um, but uh, the nice stilted way that Nimoy delivers the final mo- that that singular moment without betraying anything that has come f- uh, has come before um, in terms of in terms of Spock um, is really poignant, and the, the final the, his final shot of touching the glass and Kirk responding by touching the glass speaks more volumes about their friendship, I think, than. Uh, you know, long, lengthy odes in in previous series. Um, Spock, it is Spock's finest moment because he gets to go out a hero, but then he gets to also openly acknowledge his friendship as well. And I think that needs to be stated that you know, in light of what's happened, Spock is such a um, is such a a primal force in the Star Trek universe. You wouldn't really Star Trek probably wouldn't be as popular as it is if not for Leonard Spock as a character and Leonard Nimoy in particular. Um, in the hands of uh, a lesser actor, um, Spock could have been a, a lovable but slightly goofy um, offsider that didn't actually get as much attention as um, as its main character. But because of his um, attempts to bring a lot of dignity to the role, Spock really stood out. Um, and I just thought, yeah, in light of recent events, just wanted to acknowledge um, Spock as a character and Leonard Nimoy's contribution to um, not just Star Trek but science fiction. Um, I really enjoy the film, really enjoy Star Trek in general. I give this four looks. Very well said. He was an, an actor first and foremost. Mm. Without, without his abilities, Spock wouldn't have been the character that he was. Yeah. It was so it's... good as Spock that whenever you see him smiling in real life, it just looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 he does, if he's not doing the eyebrow raise, yeah. there's something... It feels like a right... But the interesting thing is that um, he's actually been... Associated, he, he's he's the longest running character on Star Trek. Mm. He's you know right there from the cage, the first pilot, from the unaired pilot. Yeah, the unaired yeah. pilot. Sorry, um, right up until um, the most recent film. Mm. You know, he's played the character um, not through every single series. He wasn't in Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, or um, Voyager, but he has actually been a constant in the Star Trek universe um, right from the get-go. You know, mm. or to the point where he, he's now probably the character who's synonymous with. Um, Star Trek. You might think of Kirk, and you might think of the Enterprise, but really, you'd be thinking of Spock. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing to think that uh, just how much better these recent films, especially the first one, is when you know actual Spock appears. When Leonard Nimoy appears, I, I seriously, I marked out at that moment. I was so <laughs> excited by it. It's like it's real Spock. <laughs> it was. A, it was a very interesting moment for me when real Spock shows up in, in the new film because even though I thought it was ridiculously unnecessary. And just pointless to the story. <laughs> it's just, I, but the fact that it's Leonard Nimoy, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was exactly. Like, oh, I'm so torn. <laughs> so anyway, well, you know, I, I, I didn't really enjoy this Star Trek two film, other than Benedict Cumberbatch. No, no, oh. no. I was in oh, the right. recent Star Trek two. Oh, okay. Into darkness. The darkness. Yeah. The rewrath of Khan. Or Khan discovers his wrath. Or how Khan gets his wrath back. Or how Khan gets it. Awesome. Anyway, uh, so that was, yep, that was a good review. Thank you very much.
Ken Luke. And we all went and managed to get through that review, and nobody did the. Did the Khan cry? Did the Khan cry? Let's not. Because we, 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 it's not about Khan, it's about Spock. I'm very yeah, proud of us all. <laughs> uh, so the next, next review is mine, as I said. Uh, I'm reviewing Wormwood, Road of the Dead, which is a very recent Aussie film. It's basically a zombie film. It's kind of it's, it, it promotes itself as a cross between zombie... As, as, as a zombie version of Mad Max, essentially. Um, and it... Wow, it definitely is. It's, did uh, did it's, you say recent... Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like from the seventies or something. No, no it's from twenty fourteen. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's written and directed and produced by uh, brothers uh, Clark Roach Turner and Tristan Roach Turner, um, who haven't had any film experience of any kind before this. I mean, one of them is a is like a plumber or mechanic or something, um, and the other one. Does something else? I don't know. They basically have no film knowledge of any kind. They didn't go to film school or anything like that. They just they basically just thought, you know, hey, we've got a bit of cash. We're getting a bit of cash together and we'll make ourselves a film, which I think is genius. And uh, you know, why put down a deposit on a house when you could make a movie? <laughs> uh, so it's had it had a very very limited uh, limited run on um, cinema. It was it was only going to be on for one night, and then uh, because of you know pop by popular demand, you know the classic by popular demand, it got went back and did a more run. But uh, what's actually funnier about it is uh, that it's actually, for, for a brief period there on uh, Pirate Bay, it was the most torrented film uh, for, for a good week there. So it even beat Fifty Shades of Grey. So that's pretty impressive for the world of torrents. And, and, they're, and they're kind of ambivalent about it. They're kind of like, well, you know, it's good that people want to see our film, but we're not getting any money out of this. <laughs> so, you know, which is fair enough. Um, the film itself is, uh, it stars um, Jay Gallagher as Barry. <laughs> That's pretty. Name. Yeah, he gets called Basil throughout the entire film, uh, and his sister Bianca Brady, uh, who plays Brooke, um, his sister. Uh, you've also got um, Leon Birchall as Benny. I haven't heard of any of these people outside of this film, so if you have, that's awesome. Um, and uh, various other people. His got, names all start I've, with B. Well, I've got, no. I've, Actually, that's funny. I didn't notice that until now. Barry, Brooke, and Benny. Uh, <laughs> there's also uh, no, I've also got also got to mention uh, Keith. Agius, who I have heard of before, uh, who plays Frank, um, who's just an awesome guy. But yeah, Frank. Um, it is this film is is basically on. This is Australia on screen. I mean, you may think when you think of Australian film, they where sort of pictures of Australians. You, you think of Crocodile Dundee. You think of Mirror's Wedding. You know, all that sort of sort of, sort of those sort of classic Australian characters. No, none of them are as Australian as this. <laughs> I mean, this is. I mean, this this is how Australia, the Australian countryside, would react. To a zombie invasion, it's it it is it's like a documentary. Um, it's <laughs> really really is impressive stuff. I've actually watched I've watched it twice now. Before, the first time I watched it, um, I didn't know any of its backstory, and I gotta say, it was while I was impressed, uh, I, I'm actually quite I quite enjoyed it. Um, it's it, it does have some issues, right? It's got some pacing problems. Like the film doesn't actually really start for for a good half hour, and then but then once it does. It really gets going, right? and it really, really. That's when that's when the Mad Max sort of period of it kicks in, and uh, you know, it just it kicks a lot of ass. It's awesome, um, but but you know, it, it was good. It was it was it was a bit of a popcorn entertainer. Now that I know what I know about what you know, I mean, they basically did all the special effects themselves, all the production, you know, all that sort of stuff. I mean, the, their mum did the catering, you know, all that, you know, that sort of stuff. I've, I've given it an extra star because. The fact that they did all that work themselves, and the amount of work in this film, the amount of special effects shots, and just the amount of effort it would have taken to do this, is just it just blows me away. But I've seen actual like you know 
well, you know, I guess properly released films with special mm. effects that were not as good as this. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they just they went all out to try and make it as good as possible. It does have a very cool twist, which I thought anyway that uh, for some strange reason after this apocalyptic event, no petrol works anymore, and so they then discover that the zombies produce this gas that is basically petrol. So their their car is fueled by zombies. So like a methane sort of thing. Yeah, like kind of okay. like yeah, yeah. It is. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, so I highly recommend it. It's while while it's definitely not perfect, it is definitely you can tell it's a first film, um, and it does have a couple uh, a couple of things that kind of annoyed me. Mainly the the like I said the pacing, but also the the scientist guy. Um, I don't want to give anything away, but they've got they they try a bit of comedy um, with this scientist guy. He's he kind of he's kind of reminiscent of if you remember Mad Max two the. The play, the pilot guy, the tall, thin pilot. Bruce Spence. Bruce yeah, Spence. Bruce Spence. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of that sort of deal. Um, and it just doesn't work. just falls completely flat. He's a terrible character and, and you know, good riddance. But, uh, the, but the rest of it is, like I said, just really, really great stuff. Um, I, I especially love, like I said, Frank um, and uh, Benny. Benny's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's just the dialogue. Um, so, yeah, so it's... Uh, it's highly, highly worth seeing. It's an Aussie film, done good. Uh, congratulations to them, and uh, I give it three out of five looks. Cool, that's our reviews. Let's move on to our Oscars 2015 follow-up special. Cool, so this one... But basically, we're just going to go through what you know, what was nominated in uh, the major categories, what eventually won, and what our thoughts on that are. Uh, so let's start off with Best Animated Feature Film. Uh, the nominations were Big Hero 6, The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Son of the Sea, and The Tale of Princess Kaigua. The winner was Big Hero 6. But the actual winner was not, not actually nominated. Yes, it is, <laughs> it, I'm glad you brought it up because the fact that the Lego movie was not nominated... It's a, a it's a much better film than Big Hero. I, I enjoyed Big Hero Six, but let's face it, it's not brilliant. Yeah, um, it's and not awesome. It's very by the numbers. It is very by the numbers. Um, yeah. Whereas the Lego Movie, I was actually genuinely warmed and entertained by. Yeah, um, I had problems with you know the final act, but um, for the but you know I enjoy actually did enjoy watching the Lego Movie. Whereas Big Hero Six is yeah as by the numbers as you say, but also. Disney have won so many awards, so many of these awards recently, that by giving it to a, a such a by the numbers production, you're actually basically saying that the only people worthy of getting this are Disney. Yeah. Um, particularly given that How to Train Your Dragon Two, which isn't a great film, but is much better to look at in terms of its animation. Um, and then you've got the final Studio Ghibli film in there as well. Yeah. Um, you sit there going, well, you've got all these other ones as well. How about you actually stop and look at what else is going on? Um, yeah, th- yeah, and we do. I think that comes back though to the Americans' perception of what animation animated films are. You know, yeah. they're, they're animated films are for kids, and you know, no as, as long as the animation is good, as long as the animation is good, who cares about the story? Mm. You know, it's so it, it's it'd be very rare, first of all, for a non-American film like the Studio Ghibli film to win. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, spirited, spirited way aside, you know, most of these films are never going to win, even if they are better, because they just don't fit into the expectation that Americans have of what animated mm. films are. 
Yeah, totally with you. And Beauty and the Beast was basically the exception. Yeah, like, yeah, Beauty and the Beast is a, is a good exception. Which is a, a brand film. So and like right. I said, Spirited Away is, I think, another good exception. But Spirited yeah. Away is so good that I think it would have been a, just a travesty. Had that it would be been right in the streets. That's right. You've got to remember, too, that only the Academy is voting. So yeah. how many of them have even seen all of those? Yeah, sure. Yeah. There was an interesting uh, bunch of articles on, on a website where where they actually talked to the Academy people anonymously. Mm-hmm. So they spoke to three Academy people, yeah. purely anonymous, and then got their opinions on who they were voting for and why. Mm. And the number one response it was, out of all those three people, oh, I didn't even bother watching. <laughs> it's like, well, well how, do you, how do you get to vote then? Yeah, what, what's the point? It doesn't of make it? any sense. Mm. It's, just, it's so irritating. But yeah, I mean, Big O6, enjoyable. Yeah. But nowhere, nowhere near as good as the Taylor Princess Kiyua. He looked awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it, looked really be, cool. it will be forever marketed as Academy Award winner. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's a shame. But anyway, uh, let's move on to Best Actor in a Supporting Role. The nominations were Robert Duvall for The Judge, Ethan Hawke for Boyhood, Edward Norton for Birdman, Mark Ruffalo for Foxcatcher, and J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. And there's no surprise there that the winner was, in fact, J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Um, I confess I haven't seen the film. Um, I haven't seen Whiplash. I've only seen the trailer. But even in the trailer, I was convinced that he was going to win it. <laughs> That's a fair call. It's I've, on, it's, he deserves I've it. seen all the films on that list, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm telling you, he deserved it. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. He, he is a great actor with a great presence, and yeah. you know, so it's not surprising that he, he, you know, he was going to win one eventually. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see that that he has too because he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Edward Norton was good. Mm. Yeah, but J.K. Simmons. Okay, but like I said, even in the trailer, you know, you sit there going, okay, this is quite clear. Is this going to be a case of um, should he actually get a best actor nod instead of best supporting actor? Because he's completely dominating. Oh, he absolutely dominates. I'm also not sure that Ed Norton was acting. (laughs) (laughs) He was basically being himself. He seemed to be playing himself. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Best actress in a supporting role Uh, Patricia Arquette for Boyhood, Laura Dern for Wild, Emma Stone for Birdman. Kira Knightley for The Imitation Game and Meryl Streep for Into the Woods. And the winner was Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Mm. Um, she's actually one of the best things, I think. She, oh, actually, to be fair, probably the best thing about Boyhood. And I'll talk more about my feelings on that film when we have the best picture. Um, <laughs> wow. And uh, whilst I would have preferred to see Emma Stone or maybe Kira Knightley win, wasn't that upset. That Patricia Arquette one. Yeah. She does. She does a good. Just, she does a I, good she job. Does, she does. Does a good. Does um, and she actually gets the most interesting plot subplot or plot line in Boyhood, I think. And she does. A, she does a good job with it. I actually thought Laura Dern might. Laura Dern might take it out, but mm, I wasn't surprised when Patricia. Went. I just assumed that they were too scared not to give it to Patricia Arquette. Well, I mean, she's say, awesome. She's scary, but in an awesome kind of way. Going but... back to that article, we're going to go back to the article. One of the people that they talked to anonymously said that she was going to choose Patricia Arquette just because she was brave enough to do a period of a period of feeling for so long without any any work done. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It's about the acting. Yeah. But I thought it was funny. But I, I did also like her acceptance speech as well. Yeah. Yeah, Nobody would speech. have said that about a man. Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. Yeah. But, and actually, it was a woman judge, though. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's still that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it doesn't matter which gender said it. It's still sexist. <laughs> but yeah, I like her, her acceptance speech. It was um, awesome. Yes, no, yeah. the um, talking about... Um, the women's rights and actually um, trying equal to pay. equal pay and things like that was just really one of, and one of three good speeches I thought in the entire ceremony. Yeah, um, 
The other two. The other two. Um, the acceptance speech by the um, the guys who won Best Song for Glory. Yeah. Um, not didn't thank anyone at all. Just got up and spoke more about what Selma actually, you know, what the idea behind Selma actually means and its universal appeal and what you know Martin Luther King was fighting for and what should be continued to fight for. Um, the other one was um, Graham Moore's acceptance speech for the Imitation Game. Yeah. Um, getting up and speaking about being the only kid, being the lonely kid in the in the schoolyard. Yeah. Cool. Um, and trying to inspire the next lonely kid in the schoolyard to, yeah. to to be brave enough to go and write a screenplay or go and do something amazing with their lives. Yeah. Best adaptation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Uh, best actor in a leading role: Steve Carell for Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper for American Sniper. Benedict Cumberbatch for the Imitation Game. He's always good. Michael <laughs> Keaton for Birdman and Eddie Redmayne for The Theory of Everything. And the winner was Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, this was the one, the actual one that disappointed me a little bit. Um, and that's not to say anything against Eddie, Rain, Eddie Redmayne's performance. It is excellent. Um, but I was actually kind of hoping that Benedict Cumberbatch would win this award because I actually think his performance is better and, and overall is stronger. And that's because what, what I get from Eddie Redmayne is a man, you know, dealing with motor neuron disease and um, and he is he is fantastic in that, you know. So it's not like he didn't deserve acknowledgement for his performance or anything like that. His performance is fantastic. But what what I didn't really get was and, and this is partially I think the a flaw with the film and not necess- not just with his performance, but certainly with the script as well. Is I didn't get across the impression that this man was a genius who has completely changed the way we think about the nature of the universe. And to me, that's an important part of who... In fact, the most important part of who Stephen Hawking is. Benedict Cumberbatch's performance as Alan Turing, I, I, I got that. I got that this man was a genius that has also completely changed the nature of the world by, by creating the first working computer... You know, so so I got that genius level, but also the the personal struggles that he went through, the you know the repressed homosexuality, the oh my god, mm. the, the the chemical castration is just horrifying. Um, and um, yeah, so whilst I'm not, I, I won't say that you know Eddie Redmayne shouldn't have won, but my personal preference would have been for uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's performance. So that's interesting. I actually, I actually wanted Steve Carell to win. Is this... <laughs> he, he will he will win one eventually. Is that Foxcatcher? Foxcatcher as a film is horrendously boring. Like Moneyball, <laughs> it's so boring. Moneyball, but his performance is absolutely brilliant. Moneyball is only good. boring if you don't like baseball, and then, then, then if you don't like baseball, it's, it's no point watching that film. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool, and yeah, obviously the favorite was Michael Keaton, um, which is you know a magnificent performance. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would have gone either. I wanted either Michael Keaton or Benedict Cumberbatch. I haven't seen actually, I haven't seen the theory of everything yet, so I can't comment on Eddie Redmayne's performance. But one of the things that I get a little annoyed with is the idea that it's only the physical disability and portraying the physical disability that is worthy of acknowledgement and accolades, as opposed to actually trying to create a good character through body language and um, performance. And with you, but would you say that about Daniel Day Lewis though? I haven't actually seen my left foot either, so I can't come Holy that. crap! But to be fair, Daniel Day Lewis, he's actually won it twice since twice for yeah. uh, for actually doing for actually being a good actor and actually portraying yeah. character through, you know, a, yeah. an unlikable character um, in one instance, and there will be blood, and then the American president in Lincoln. Yeah, but um, with my left foot, I mean, there is <laughs> so much more to that performance. Yeah, that, exactly. that, I, I was mean, just, well and truly deserves. No, I, I, yeah. I haven't actually seen well, my left foot. And, and look, Eddie Redmayne does have a lot more to his performance as well. Yeah. Like, it's not 
a disgrace that he won. There was a bizarre crit- criticism that they didn't get a disabled person to play the character, but it, the, in the, well, it's really bizarre criticism because he didn't start out disabled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. it's a common yeah, it's, criticism it's, that comes up though with, yeah. whenever this this yeah. occurs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. If if you've got a disabled character, get a disabled person to play the character if you, if you want mm. to, but. This character didn't start out to say yeah. that. So how would you get the disabled and, and to be able-bodied at the start of the yeah. film? And a bit, yeah, good and that's point, the thing. Big, the, the movie is actually more about his relationship with his wife than his than actual exactly, scientific yeah. achievements. Yeah. So you've got to show the development of the motor neuron disease. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've, I've said it before, but for the sake of new listeners, I'll say it again. Actually, I, I have less respect for... I, I'll, no, wait, I'll start again. I agree with everything Richo said. Mm. Um, that's basically exactly my exact thoughts. But... I have less respect for actors who win awards for portraying real life people. I just, I just, it really irritates me for some reason. I'm not too okay. sure why. Like as, as excellent as it is, I mean, Daniel Day Lewis, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Jamie Fox, you know, all that sort of stuff. Do they you... all do brilliant, brilliant performances, but that's really all it is. It's basically, it's parodying someone who actually already exists. Oh. Whereas, unlike, unlike Michael Keaton, who created a brand new person. Um, but then you like Steve Carell. But then I like Steve Carell. I know it's weird. <laughs> he, does, he, does, he does a really, really good job. But I just, I, there's two, I don't there's know, it's two weird. things to that. Sometimes it is just impersonating that person, but sometimes mm. the actor actually becomes that character. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Discuss it for another day when we've got more done. Uh, I'm not. Didn't say it made sense. I'm just saying. <laughs> Top five uh, best impersonation character people movies. <laughs> We'll, have, yeah. we'll get a better title on that. <laughs> top, top, top five best performances in a biopic. Yeah, that's that's it. That's what you're <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis. You edit it there and put that in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be, best actress in a leading role. Uh, I can never pronounce your last name. Marion Cotillard. 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 Uh, for two days, one night. Felicity Jones for the Theory of Everything. Julianne Moore for Still Alice, Rosamund, Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, and Reese Witherspoon for Wild, and the winner was Julianne Moore for Still Alice. And is, 100% deserved. Isn't it amazing that we live in a world where Rosamund Pike gets an Academy Award <laughs> nomination? She is terrible. I mean, I, I, I once described her as, like, walking wallpaper. She's there <laughs> in movies, but you don't really notice her. When he <laughs> said, said once described, that was actually this morning. Yeah, uh, no, no, I just brought that up. I've done it in the past. Before, yeah. yeah, I've done it in the past. Like... Like, she's always just there until she's not terrible. It was the Rachel review, that's what it was. That's right. She's not terrible or anything, but she just... She's just there. Is that like, a, a comment really... on her ability or the roles that she's played? Look, that could be it. I mean, I actually haven't seen Gone Girl, strangely Good enough, point. so I, I can't really comment on her performance. Maybe this is a, a breakout performance for her, so... It's, uh, she's good. Yeah. She, but, I mean... The... A bit, I just don't think she's a very good actor. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, she does, she does yeah. fine. She does what she does. Well, I mean, Julianne, Julianne Moore was really... She was going to win... An Academy Award eventually. She's been had a lot of nominations over the years, and she's a, is a really good actress. Spring, you know, My second favorite actress. And uh, yeah, it's good to see that uh, you know that, that, that she's finally been acknowledged as such for uh, what is you know by all reports a, a brilliant performance. And and I, I think she was probably the most obvious winner here. Like uh, the, n- nobody was really commenting about anybody else having any no. real chance outside. Nobody of else her, gave so, a crap. Yeah, vagina. What? <laughs> <laughs> Most men don't like to sound That's right. Let's face facts. We love Julianne Moore because she's in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, she is awesome. Uh, best director, Alejandro Gonzalez 
in a ratu. Nicely done. That's pretty good. Actually, After listen. 130, <laughs> what was it, four episodes, you finally got a name right. Actually, listen, I listened to it on YouTube before we started. Yeah. Uh, for Birdman, uh, Richard Linklater for Boyhood, uh, Bennett Miller, Foxcatcher, Wes Anderson, the Grand, Budate- the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Morton Tildum for The Imitation Game. And the winner was, I'm not going to do it again, Alejandro for Birdman. Alejandro <laughs> Gonzalez in Rato. Yeah. What a cool this, name. This was an absolute shock for me. I, what? I didn't... No, no, no. Uh, in a positive way, don't get me wrong. I wanted him to win because Birdman is so distinct in its look and feel and it, is, it just really stands out. Mm. But for me, I thought this was going to be like um, Darren Aronofsky mm. for Black Swan. I thought this film is just too bizarre and just too out there in the way that it's the way that it's filmed and the way that it's directed and um, that I just did not think mm. he, he was going to win. You know, yeah. I wanted him to, but I didn't think it was going to wow. happen. Yeah. So when he did, I was... Shocked and very pleasantly surprised, um, and the fact that it won best cinematography as well. Yeah, because the film just looks looks amazing. The only, like, the only shock so I had, incredibly I actually, well directed. I just thought Boyhood was going to win. I think Richard Lakeley was. Gonna yeah, win. because it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an astounding achievement. Yeah, but yeah, no, Birdman. Yeah, Birdman's so different. Like um, Imitation Game was quite good, but it's mm. very Hollywood by the numbers. Mm. Yeah. And and that's actually what I thought was going to was going to get best yeah. director was going to be Imitation Game. That would have been a disgrace. Well, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking. Anybody could have directed that. I'm thinking of um, once again, Black Swan losing to yeah. the King's Speech. Yeah, yeah we You know, I thought that was what we were going to see again. Yeah, you know, I gotcha. Yeah, this and um, best film art. You know, for the first time, are the ones that I didn't pick. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, because I, I like you, um, Dave. I went with Boyhood. Yeah. Be simply because everyone had talked up. You know, the twelve years that it took to make the film without actually stopping to think about, you know, what it's like in terms of its quality. Mm. Um, and Richard Linklater actually point. having been around for a, for a while and they had accrued some points, people would have gone, oh, yeah, you know, it's been 12 years making this film, let's give it to him be, for keeping it together. For longevity. Um, for yeah. long, longevity. And look, it is, you know, the film is seamless, but I think that's more a credit to its editing. Yeah. Than, uh, than Did it win editing? No. Um, okay. uh, Whiplash won. Whiplash, okay. Um, that's fair enough. Uh, but uh, I'm with you. I, the, 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 I'm so glad that I'm wrong because the one that I thought was going to win gave out to the one that deserved to win yeah. for a change. Yeah, um, agreed. Agree much more interesting to look at, a much more interesting story, a much more distinct vision um, yeah, than absolutely. Boyhood. And I'm hoping this is a good sign for the for the for the Oscars. I'm hoping that they will. This will lead a trend towards more creative and interesting. You know, directors yeah. winning these awards, so that we'll actually get more creative and interesting directed movies in the future. Totally. Hero Six. Yeah, I know, I know, but um, you know, because I, I like like my dream was What's the, with the, the sudden big Hero Six hate. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. It? Like, I'm just saying. It's a perfectly fine movie, yeah. but yeah. like we said earlier, yeah. the, there are other movies more deserving. Yeah. Last but not least, Best Picture: American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel. The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. And uh, the winner was Birdman. The thing that I found interesting about Selma is all the characters, all the actors are, are, are British. Yeah, well, there you go. Okay. All, all, all British and, people and, playing and, Americans. You just all playing Martin Luther King, I mean. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's, it's happened before you've had British people playing Americans, but all of them are British. Yeah, especially for what is such a pivotal <laughs> moment American. In, in, in American history. Yeah. 
Um, um, but um, look, when this film won, my thought was everything is right in the world. Oh, it's, it was. I think it was the easiest pick. I actually don't think Birdman's all that great at story. I mean, it's an interesting story. It keeps you involved and engaged, but it's just the way it's shot and put together, I think, that makes it an outstanding film. I, I actually think it's the best film I've seen so far this year by, by a, a fair margin. It's not Wormwood, did. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say is thank goodness Boywood didn't win. Yeah, no, I'm very, um, I'm very glad. Well, I'm, I'm actually more glad American Sniper didn't win. No, because it's really not that good a film. I didn't see, I didn't see American Sniper, but boy, no. it bored me to tears. And yeah, fair enough. just sat there going, "Really? You think this is like a Academy Award worthy? Really? <laughs> um, it's not the first time they've done it. It's not the first time they've done it, but a lot of people were talking it up, and I just went, no, come on.' Just the Descendants. That, uh, but I mean, I mean, that was a fairly. It was an okay film, but it looked more like a TV drama to me, and I can't believe it was an Oscar. Yeah, considered. Mm. I'm with you. I'm with you. But anyway, there you go. So that was the uh, that was the Oscars. It was uh, yay. It was one of the most predictable ones, I think. All my Whoa. predictions were correct. <laughs> I I, I got to disagree with that. I I picked the of last like five years of Oscars, except for this one. Like, I thought, thought this was actually a little bit less obvious than in the past, and uh, I'm actually glad of that. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair. Enough. Like last year, my god, last year was so so obvious. <laughs> Oscars by the numbers. Yep. We want to come in soon. In cinemas, March fifth, we get Focus, which who cares? Yeah. Uh, Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Margot, who is cool, mm. but the movie who cares? Uh, Seventh Son, even more. Who cares? It's yet another young adult fantasy novel. Uh, the fact that it's got the dude in it is cool, but he was also in The Giver, and that was rubbish. Well, they're really churning those um, out at the moment. Yeah, and Unfinished Business, which I know nothing about. Yeah, okay. can't help you out there. So that's it for yeah. episode one thirty-two. That's it from me. Uh, despite the for the opening, the opening, uh, I am David, <laughs> and uh, the crew, Richard. Oh, I got nothing. <laughs> Look, frankly, Captain, I don't believe my ears. Frankly, Mister Spock, I don't believe your ears either. <laughs> hey, Kristen, that cream-flooded Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> Brett. You've been listening to Nerd Culture Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to feedback at nerdculturepodcast.com. You can write on our wall if you go to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash nerdculturepodcast. Tweet us at nerdculturecast. Skype us on Nerd Culture Podcast. If we don't answer, leave a message. We might even play it on the show. You can comment on any post on our website. www.nerdculturepodcast.com If you'd like to support the show... Use the Amazon affiliate widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. It doesn't cost you any extra, and a small percentage of the profit goes towards helping us to produce our show. We can see what you buy, but not who you are, so your privacy is assured. Check out our videos at ncptv.net, or search for NCPTV on YouTube, because we also have a YouTube channel. Don't forget, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Wondering where you can hear more of Bo? Go to ecnradio.com. Bo and David also have another podcast called Film Flames. More info at www.filmflames.com You can find all of our podcasts and more at undercastnetwork.com Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes. Actually, didn't you have a shirt very similar to that? Yeah. yeah I, I that based, this entire outfit looks like a Waldo outfit. It does. Yeah. I've got these pants You've and the short sleeves. you I have. I have dressed up. In fact, I think, if you look carefully... the wrong colour socks on. 
I may even be wearing my Nerd Culture Podcast t-shirt for Nerd Culture Podcast. (laughs) He's your biggest fan. I am. He's cosplaying as you. Cosplaying as me. Why is it awesome like this? I don't know. (laughs)